0: Today, we're joined by uh, Johnny Veda. Uh, he is running Connective out in Florida. What, what uh, town in Florida specifically are you in right now?
1: Yeah, so we're doing it in Delray Beach, Florida, on the east side.
0: Nice, nice. And you've been at that spot for, like, two or three years at this point?
1: Wow, yeah. So I've been thinking about it lately. It's almost three years. I believe we're going three years plus um i started before covid and luckily it's still running up and going everything's going
0: pretty good yeah that's great man i imagine you're still doing a lot of like the online training as well or have you mostly been focused in person
1: yes so online training was definitely a key part in the development of my business because covid as you surely know and nobody really wanted to get together to do things so i had to open myself to the experience of online training I would say at this point it's like a solid 30, 35% on the on, on the, heavy, the heavy seasons. On the off season, I get it to around 50%. So when it gets light in personal, in person training, I tend to focus
0: more online. Nice. So you've um, you've obviously studied a lot of different movement systems and whatnot. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about like our shared experiences, like doing FP and stuff. Um, yes. How, how long even before you got into FP were you training?
1: Yes, so I would say before FP, I had been training people for four years and a half. Um, I started with the regular stuff, such as uh, NASM and understanding um, the fundamentals of personal training. And then at some point, I got very into cross- so I started doing CrossFit, did that for two years and a half, and it was great. But there was always this, what else is there? Is out there? So eventually I eventually moved on to more personal training, and then I went into all these other realm of things, of um, biomechanics, neurology, and many things that I bought. But now in my journey of training, I would say I'm around nine years training people.
0: And you've had, yeah, like you said, a lot of different experiences. And what uh, what recently have you been kind of like studying? I know you worked with Nathan for a time. Um, I think you you did like a pretty deep dive on Z-Health stuff as well.
1: Yes, yes. So to give you a story of my journey in training, so after going to CrossFit and competing weightlifting, Olympic weightlifting and getting into gymnastics, uh, eventually I tried looking to look into reasons why mobility and all these other things were not as efficient as I would like to achieve some of the positioning that I would need for Olympic weight. So I did some, I did, I used to do animal walks. So the frog, the monkey, the, uh, I can't remember the names, but I did all those animal stuff, animal training. Uh, and then eventually I went into functional patterns in which I did a pretty deep dive, I would say, for five years or so. And later on, I started realizing that there were a lot of missing concepts that my body needed in order to make the most out of the activities that I would like to enjoy. And I found Sea which opened me to ne- neurological training. Of course, prior to this, I have a friend, his name is Canaan, and he introduced me a lot to... Ideas of neurological training, which at first I just put it to a side. I was like, oh, this seems a little too complicated. It doesn't really make sense. It doesn't look complex. So I don't know if I'll be sweating doing that. So I avoided that for a while. And then eventually with z help, uh, it shocked me. One of their phrases in their books was uh, in relation to vision. So for me, being able to see distance was a little bit troublesome. Uh, and doctors, they will give me uh, pairs of glasses, and I will always adjust the, the lens to allow me to see better when things are further. But as soon as I remove my glasses, I couldn't see as well. In Z they talk about how the eye, besides it being a muscle, and it gets old, it gets new, it regenerates, things happen, but you're not really seeing through your eyes. Instead, it's the input that goes through your eyes, and your brain processes. And then he provides the output, and I was like, okay, this is the kind of stuff I want to be into, because I am. I'm of the belief that even though a body part may not be the best or may not be the youngest, it doesn't mean that it cannot work in optimal manner. So I did Z health for a while. I also did S10 fitness. This is which is another reason why Nathan was like, oh my god, I get to know this guy, and train with him, and. So S10 Fitness, they also talked a lot of similar stuff to Z-Health. So their material wasn't as complex. But Nathan's material was very new for me, and I really enjoyed it because he started talking about vagus nerve, parasympathetic, sympathetic uh, systems, and how you hold your structure. And one of the best things that I remember talking to Nathan was the ability to just let go. Many of these tensions, many of these these concepts that I was learning, I was processing through my brain, but I wasn't really getting my own definition, or my own understanding of it. And uh, eventually I realized that all this material that I'm learning, I need to find a way to make it my own so I can easily spread it out to other people so they can enjoy it. So I did that and now I am in a good mix of everything. Um, I also trained with Lib uh, shout out to him. He's a dope ass guy as well. Um uh, he opened my mind a lot to neurological training, my breathing, and how I relate to this movement. And now I'm in the process of just putting everything I'm learning
2: together and finding a good way to share it out there to the public. What did you notice, uh, respective of our sessions together? as far as uh, um, I I know what I'm thinking of when what comes to mind in respect of our sessions, but what did you notice as being like that first thing that you experienced is letting go? Like uh, what happened to your body when we were working together that you noticed was the biggest thing or reward from having let go? Yeah,
1: so one of the first ones was in relation to my shoulders. Uh, I would say I also had uh, my digestive system also improved. I mean, many things happen, but I remember one of the first catalysts was in relation to my shoulder. So what I mean is that my right shoulder, when it comes to movement or other things, um, I had many ideas, many concepts that my shoulder had to be in a certain position, had to hold a certain tension, and it had to move in this such a specific way in order for it to be considered functional. But the more I talk with you, the more I work with you, uh, I got to realize that the reason, one of the reasons why my shoulder was the way it was was because of, I was, I want to say, abusing of the concept of decompression and not using it in the right way. In, in addition to when I would move my arms or my body, I would move in a very stiff manner that wouldn't really let it move the way they want to move it, the way they can move. And and most of my movements were to an extent choreographed and they were not um uh, they were not realistic enough I would say um, so I remember that we were working on in regards to shoulders and all these other things neck and many other things so we can say it's pretty functional and integrated what you're doing. Um, and one day it just split. And I was like oh so, my shoulder is fine. Everything in my body is fine. It's, it was all in my head. And from then on, it, I, was, it, I was just moving my arm the way I wanted. I didn't care about the clicking, the sounds. I didn't give it too much of a focus. I knew things were happening, but I just let it move. And within a few weeks or a month, I believe really, I didn't have anything else to worry about my shoulder. So, that was one of the main catalysts is that started making me realize that uh what you're doing it's definitely pretty important
2: well you responded well to it I, I was thinking off the top of my head how big you had gotten so quickly like uh, oh yeah, <laughs> just how much you had saturated like you had you have the tissue developed you already have the nerves like there everything's like you said there but because you were like holding on to certain things you had an expectancy of how it had to move under load or how you had to move in sequence and then when we got rid of that, we let go of like how you had to like puzzle it together. This is the first puzzle, this is the second. Instead of there being numbers or an order, you kind of just started to use the collective. And dude, you're my height, but you got significantly bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the picture in the video. I was like, oh, that looks like a crazy
1: guy. Damn. It was crazy. And though oh, you be good. interesting because you'd be like so, uh, so there's some practicing which you'll be so, focus on your body looking a certain way and i believe you were telling me like hey your body is like this and you should just let your body be the way it is like your body is meant to be big it's meant to grow let it grow and i was like man i've been really holding my body back from just being its own self and just expanding itself the way you want moving the way you want presenting itself to people the way it actually is instead of Uh, I don't want to say putting this aside, but uh, putting a structure that is not realistic to what I really
0: trained. I trained with you, like, four or five times a couple years ago when we were both, like, very heavy into FP. And a lot of the similar, like, intentions of, like, trying to expand, trying to, like, utilize positive and negative pressures, like, there's a lot of similarities in a sense but what would you say like was the biggest difference? I mean, you've already kind of touched on it in that it is more of a seeing things as they are letting go and there's less like force and just less like trying to jam a particular adaptation onto yourself um, with like the stuff we're doing with movement and just like it, other styles of training in general. Um, how would you say you're like, cause all those concepts again, have a time and place. How is your integration of like, that type of stuff change now with either yourself or your clients? Uh,
1: so, well, first I want to say about the step-by-step procedure. So something I've been noticing is that when it comes to training, uh, the way I'm seeing is that there's a neurological aspect, there's the vagus nerve aspect, there's the energetic aspect, there's the biomechanical aspect. And it felt like in my training, I went the opposite way. I started with biomechanical ideas, and later on, I started to realize that all these other concepts, which relate to my organs, my the inside of my body, had to come first and develop themselves before I would go into the biomechanics. So um, I, I felt like I had to take a few steps back to learn a lot of these systems, but in the end, it allowed me to not just take steps forward, but jump forward into my progress to the point that uh, a lot of the hindrances or imbalances that I have were not much of a focus anymore. It was just about continuing to use my body from the inside out. So yeah, that uh, something I've been talking with some of the trainers that I train or mentor is that the evolution of training clients now, it's its way different than what I used to do before. Before, it would be uh, more planned and choreographed motions in which, hey, you're going to do this, this is going to happen, and we could be spending like a solid hour or two, I mean, an hour doing the same movement or two movements. When now, uh, and I would spend so much time in those movements, by the way, because the ability for people to access those motions was not there. It was almost forced the ability for them to go through some of the patterns or behaviors that I was expecting them to do. But now with the training that I'm able to provide with them, tools from movement and neurological and all these other things that are energetic as well, Benjamin Equilibrium, um, training people, it's a lot easier to the reasoning that they understand where they are in space how to use their systems and how to move their body in a way that is not rigid and allows them to learn throughout the experience, instead of having to depend on me, telling them how to go through the experience.
2: If you had to describe, I I mean, relative your experience in this last like year and a half year, when you got familiar with the underlying systems that controlled our response to things and you started to essentially reduce the amount of thinking energy that you, ex- you exhausted into your exercise and you allowed for it to be a more embodied or physical expenditure. Uh, what do you see as being the thing that most systems, maybe the ones you've done, maybe the ones you still see being done by people around you, what are they lacking and what would you say is the, the fundamental addition, maybe it's a couple of additions that you've added that uh, takes you from the group to being in a space that you think is a little more effective? Wow, that's a a tough question. You're getting graded on it, so you better answer it well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's a tough question. Uh, So, as I'm going through this journey and training, um, what I'm noticing a lot in other people's training is let's start from the most visual things would be the way they are, are looking stressed while doing the exercises, like you're literally moving an object forward in a horizontal plane of manner. Why are you holding your breath? Why are you so rigid? Why is your face closing its eyes saying so much tension in many places it doesn't really need? So those are really one of the things. Another thing is robotic motions. Like why are we looking robotic in motion? This is not pleasant for my eye to see. Neither do I want to move in this manner. So that's the second one. And the third one, is people having so much conviction that what they're saying is the ultimate truth. When in reality, you could have someone just come by a side and be like, hey, relax your shoulders. And you're like, no, but my shoulders are always meant to be active. And it just throws your world around because you grab concepts and ideas and you stuff them so much into you that you're not open to, to the other side of concepts. So I would say people are wasting a lot of energy in some of their exercises and they're making it too complex, which it's understandable. You want to try to address things. I don't know, it could be expand, it could be the way you breathe, it could be your position, but there is too much uh, security that, hey, if you do this exercise, everything's going to be solved. When from the practices that I've been having with many systems, including yours is, that each exercise is a tool that's going to provide an awareness feeling and sensation that you can continue to move from instead of depending on that all the time like i remember before i used to depend on showing all of my clients the same exercise uh, because i thought that was the holy grail and eventually i realized that that exercise it wasn't the holy grail but it was the message or the idea behind the exercise that allowed people to improve and so before I will require the right exercise to help someone with something. Now, almost every exercise can
2: do something for a person. How would you convince yourself two years ago to do this training? Ah, uh,
1: yes. So I was I was watching you on Instagram. And I was seeing you post about uh, many things that I found myself very interested, and one of them being in relation to organs. Um, From the ideas of craniosacral and all these other body work systems, the organs are very important. And I knew and I know that it's important, but I never really took time to understand it. And I remember how we were going in relation to my diaphragm, my different organs, the heat in my body, and many of these other things that I would have never even thought of. And. And as you were talking about in the Instagram and those other things, that I was like, I want to know about that. Like, that just makes sense. Why am I putting so much focus on just the outside of my skeleton, all these muscles and ligaments, things that look pretty cool for the visual of others, maybe myself, but what's going on in the inside, it has to be more important. Mm-hmm. So that was, the one, that was one of the things that I was like, okay, I need to talk to this guy. I need to train here. And it has to just be open to information, take it in, apply it, and then find
0: how I can use it in my own body and my training all the time. I think <laughs> I think something that you've picked up on that I kind of have a little bit from Kenyan and then probably from a bunch of different systems is Just relating your movement to the environment, so you 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 use a lot of visual like aids. You have stuff on your walls. You have like cones up or whatever. Just giving people a world to move around or within, versus having everything be like within the vacuum of themselves and maybe like one external weight or whatever. And obviously, you tailor a lot of the uh, focus on the visual system with that, as as well as just their sense of the space around them, right? And I, I imagine that's something that probably changed. How you trained quite a bit too?
1: Yes, a lot, a lot, because um, in weightlifting, you have a two by two and you're going up and down with many weights all the time. And that was stressful. I was feeling claustrophobic. Then I found functional patterns in which, hey, you can move horizontal, you can move side to side, you can rotate. And my brain was just like, wow. And eventually, um, that really opened my mind to knowing that there had to be many more things in the movement. Um, so yeah, yeah, that definitely was a big catalyst for me. And in relation to the visual and all the other training, it was very eye-opening because I'm a very visual individual. So let's say, if you have me by my, uh, sitting by my wife, my wife would, pre- would prefer listening to music, while well, I would prefer reading something or looking at something that provides me information. So that's one of the things that attracted me into this neurological. Then I found the smelling system. Uh, It's using different smells throughout motion and how that could either cause you to lose balance, cause you to create balance or memory in the smelling system and using smells to allow people to move or challenging the auditory system on one side and seeing how that perturbates the balance of people. It's all very smart stuff that I always knew it had to be relatable to an extent, but I was ignorant enough that I felt like it was not new. And the more I got into it, I got to realize the visual, the auditory, the smelling, the touch system were important. It humbled me to an extent that now I, um, I feel pretty humbled by the information I get and I just try to apply it and,
2: and hopefully I apply it to the best of my sense. So what I just heard from you, and I want to clear that up for other people, because <clears throat> a lot of people when they're listening to these podcasts, they're gonna be like, oh, that's a cool idea. That's a cool change of perspective, or that's a cool notion. But a lot of them don't understand that this is not an alternative to training. It's something they're already doing, something they're already doing a huge part of their, their life is. And that's like the lights you see, the sounds you hear, the temperature in your body, they're all things that you do notice, but you may not pay attention to. And because I had a definitive awareness or like understanding of what things most people needed a little more sensation around, I cued around specific sensations, like you say the visceral sensations or like vagus inputs and that kind of stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're essentially learning to listen or make sense of our sensation. Mm-hmm.
1: And yes, you know, yes. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was one of the things that definitely familiar with you, the ability to just listen to my own body, my, my breath, my heat, and my organs, which it threw me off at first. When you were talking about it, I was like, well, can that be done? And then I just realized that I just hadn't explored my body to that extent. And you were providing me information from experience that I could do two things with it. I could either disregard it or apply it and see what comes out the other side. And I'm one of those people who applies it and tries to see what comes out the other side a lot of the times,
2: It worked out. I mean, I've been watching you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been mean, having a lot of fun with the training. And you also made the training a lot more fun. Because yeah. let's say you can do a, a, a punch or a press. And, but the way you taught it was like, it's more of a reach. I was like, okay, so many more things to happen. And then you have an auto an audio thing that is every time you hear the beat, you have to do punch and yeah. then you have a visual that is like anytime something comes close to you, you throw a punch so you, you prepare the system in so many ways that the training that we're doing or that I'm doing is i'm not I'm not revolutionizing anything i'm I'm hundred percent I'm copying what everyone else is doing. I'm just putting my own twist yeah, confidence in your own approach
2: I mean for you to be able to dance with the information is for you to be able to be intuitive for you to be able to be a little more responsive uh, to what's happening in the moment. And so, because you're responding to what's in the moment, you're not, you're not creating a routine prior to them showing up, which is big because that's something that I think there's some requirements in some programs to have like a little bit more, this is how it looks. This is how it goes. And now that you're not doing that, you're responding more therapeutically to individuals or more subjectively. And so people can, you're, you're handling my issues. You're not just handling issues. And yes. that's, that's valuable.
1: Yes, 100%. Uh, before it was like, I, I will prepare what the person had to do because I took pictures of how they look. And I decided that this was the right thing. Well, now I just take things for how they are on that day. And I try to provide information for their body and the brain. And if they like information, they're going to do it well. And if the information doesn't work, I show them something else.
0: Simple, but it's important not to be locked into a particular move set or feeling like you have to put all of your focus and attention on building this one skill, which could be a purely like biomechanical thing when the neurological inputs are just not there for that skill to be acquired
2: yeah the, the, the vagueness that we i guess get away with sometimes is like because the understanding is more of a sensory understanding you're basically allowing things to exist that you thought wouldn't exist coincidentally together or maybe you have to it, the experiences like specifically this i can't have all these things going on at once it's like only this or i have to pay attention to this one thing that's loud i think one thing that we uh need to clarify to people as we are professionals providing a different perspective of fitness or wellness or whatever um you're on a train, you're hearing a thousand people talk at once. And that's essentially the same as you hearing all the different inputs in your body, whether it be your visual input, like you were talking about, your eyes didn't pick, pick out the information well enough. Or for me, it's my auditory inputs. My ears are uh, not upregulated enough to be specific in what they're hearing. So sometimes I'll get like tense or tight or sympathetic as a byproduct of not being able to hear exactly. And uh, for most of us, those are not, just things that we have happened their senses we make sense of it i feel the vibration in my ear i translate that vibration i i I see the uh the wavelength of light uh, i receive experiences of light and my brain has the ability to uh to process and explain what it is but in the same way that you fill your pockets you're filling up your senses you're putting something in there for them to take a look at and If you assess things as being cognizant or thinking first, or you can think through everything and make sense of it because you thought through it, then you are experiencing a body that doesn't make sense of senses in a natural way. You're ignoring a bunch of sensory process to make sense of what you want to feel or what you want to be able to process. And something I've seen or had issue with, uh, in both of our uh, training, both you guys at different points where we've been like talking about this is, you're doing a lot of specific stuff. We want to not just let go of stuff and then find out how your body catches itself, but we're going to put some sensation here instead of close to your face or close to your hands or close to your feet, maybe a little more belly, maybe a little more chest, maybe a little more throat. And as those start to take the effort or energy that you were otherwise putting your hands, your feet, your face, your body starts to recruit more bracing stability. And we're essentially getting people to understand that majority of their limitations were exactly, as you said, holding on. People will perceive themselves a certain way and that perception can only deal with certain degrees of stress or degrees of force. And then that becomes their visual. They walk around with like this kind of, this figure in their head that can only do certain things in these certain positions. And until we remember, not just can think about it, but we remember the feeling of all oh, the heat in our belly, all oh, the relax in our hands, but still being able to grab stuff. Oh, my face doesn't feel like it's so tight or focal, but I can breathe still like this slight transitions to a more parasympathetic body compounded over time creates a body that adapts in its own right. It becomes reflexive in its own right. It doesn't need to be told by someone outside of it how to feel. And we're doing the job of, because we felt the transition of being stress state to more competent, more like what I'm seeing with you, it's like, you can laugh about where you used to be stressed. And that's a huge st- stage of growth. Like most people are stressed about stress. They're not going to laugh about the thing they're experiencing stress. In. And because you can make sense of, oh, I wasn't even stressed about that. I was stressed about my reaction to that. You're no longer blaming yourself for a lack of process. You're like, I understand why I couldn't process it. And you're able to therapize yourself by basically just understanding why you couldn't understand before, not even telling yourself you're wrong, just you didn't know what to look for. And you forgive yourself for that. And then you get better. You're like, okay, we're going to get better at looking at this, paying attention to this, even though my brain keeps telling me I want to look at this. I want to look at this. I want to look at this this is what I'm looking at. This is what I'm looking at. That's what our training is. It's not like you're doing such a good job. You're doing such a good job. (laughs) It's not easy. It's by no means easy. Like there's a lot of work involved, but it's a difference. It's a refinement. It's like ice sculpting. Like you, you have to be very, very particular about how you're going to do it, but you're still, you're still making something of it. You're still like putting work into the object.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and that's, that's one of the things that I liked about this training as well is that um, there, were, there were tasks specific that the way you were cueing it and the way you were guiding me through all of this situation, I was able to make sense out of it, and I was able to give you my own perception as to what was going on. So it wasn't really strange. It wasn't really pushing it was things that I had to figure out while you were allowing me to understand how to get into those things. And that's something that I, I, am, I am also taking into the training ideas because let's say you can think, all right, this person plays soccer. So because he plays soccer, there's usually a ball and he's going to have to flex his hip in order to bring the leg forward. That's cool. but. In reality, you're not going to talk to people and say, "Hey, you need to flex the hip, and then you need to rotate for this to happen, and this and that." That's going to be too much for the brain to compute. Instead, it's now about, "Hey, there's a ball there. You got to kick it in that direction, and that's it. It's it's simple as that, and allows the brain and the body." I always talk about humans about brain and body because um, it just makes it easier for me to let them let them understand. That it's not the, the, the people who they are themselves, but it's the way they're seeing things through their eyes and the brain. The more your brain has a task with something to do, you're going to be able to achieve it easier than having to take 10 steps towards achieving something. It doesn't really make sense. The brain wants step A, step B, and that's where the magic comes from us. You, we understand what needs to happen, what person will be uh will we'll benefit from so we're giving them a task instead of having to compute a lot of things a lot of words that that they may get thrown off i agree
2: yeah
0: with um with how you're kind of assessing your clients and figuring out the basically the amount of stress that you think is appropriate to put on them because obviously with training we're not only chilling out we're not only learning how to be parasympathetic we're also learning how to deal with forces deal with weight to ramp our bodies up in a way that allows us to still say stay coherent and like react appropriately and uh competently within our environment and obviously somebody's baseline ability to do that is very different when you have like a chronic pain case versus like a young athlete or whatever um how how do you kind of like feel your way through like working with somebody off the bat in terms of like, okay, do I need, is this somebody I can push versus somebody I need to maybe like bring down a little bit first?
1: Yeah, so for me, it definitely depends a lot on the area that the problem could be. So, and how long they've been in a trauma state from the discomfort or the pain. For example, somebody who's has sciatica for three years um i'll be a little bit more mindful about step-by-step procedure that is more like a building block idea i go from very simple things and i am very happy with little games i'm not looking for you to be able to do a backflip today i'm looking for you to be able to enjoy doing the simple thing i'm showing you how to go up and down how to move something back and forward or the ability to perform a task so if it's somebody who's been in a lot of trauma state for a long period of time, I take it in the very small bites of movement and I, I, I support the mistakes, but I also guide them towards how to go around the mistakes in a way that they don't go for again. So the intensity may be a two or three out of five in the session. I won't really hit a lot of the threshold unless the person has understood how to manage their own stress. For example, I have a client, his name is Tom. I've been working with him for a year and a half, almost two years. And many problems that many people have, lower back, knees, neck, it's it's very relevant to an extent. And eventually uh, their bodies are going to say something. Like he got to an extent that he was like, hey, Johnny, I'm ready to build muscle. I want to build muscle. I want to look good. So in a way, I'm waiting for people to tell me that they're ready for a change so I can push more buttons. So for him, I'm getting it around four or five intensity, depending on the stress. And I'm challenging areas that they were very protective of. For example, if you're very protective of your knee, at some point, we need to move that knee in some way. If you're very protective of your traps in your neck, at some point I need to challenge it. And I'm going to be there to help guide you and tell you that it's okay. You're going through this process. It may hurt. It may feel good. Nobody really knows what's going to happen, but things need to
2: happen to an extent. Agreed. Yeah, you're essentially being more natural about your approach or more parental about your approach, being that not everyone's going to be perfect or even know why it is that they're making mistakes in the first place. And uh, it doesn't seem like you're result oriented as much as you are experience oriented, that you are trying to get the person to find value. And that is the primary result, because truthfully, it is. I mean, if someone's going to someone's interpretation of their effort, they could be working out really intensely, as you did in your in your past and finding the intensity is uh, equivalent to effort. And then they just put in all this effort without getting any gains. And that could be something they fixate on. Like I'm putting in the effort, I'm working out, I'm doing it. Is this not what I'm, am I not doing it? And you're associating, they don't have to ask that question anymore because that's not what they're looking at anymore. They're not looking at the, am I doing it right? They're looking at how do I feel? Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. Yes. That was one of the things that before people, they will do an exercise and the way I will train them. They will always perform a repetition and be like, was that good? And I'll be like, uh, yes, that was very good. And then eventually I realized that I'm putting on this psychosis on people that if I don't say it's okay, if I don't clap, if I don't say job well done, yeah. then something was wrong. Then they need to do it all again, that they're a mess. And in reality, I'm just an spectator. I just like watching people train, be happy, sweat a little bit and and then move on with the day because I'm just here to provide a good experience and allow them to get out of their heads.
2: But even still, you you have to understand that there's a skill set in being the just whatever type of guy you're talking about because you're allowing them space. So you're cognizant of how your presence could interact with them in a positive or negative way. You're not just assuming your information is inherently valuable. So there's not just like... No matter what your experience of, no matter what you're willing to process, uh, the information is going to do it for you and you're solid. That's how bad training works. That's like the, the matter of fact approach that there's a number of systems operate under that no matter how you are, do our stuff and you'll be good. There's, I mean, therapy is not just a physical thing. It is a, it is a bioenergetic thing. It's like, How we make sense of our feelings is how we make sense of our words, how we make sense of our memories, so on and so forth. And if we better understand that we're not so much uh, reactive as much as we are just finding understanding to the best degree that we can, then you're doing a better job of anthropology or like paying attention to the social creature in front of you. And you're not paying attention to a clinical creature in front of you. And that's the issue with so much doctoring or whatever, 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 is that they're operating based off of, uh, according to my papers, according to my numbers, this is the way things should go. You're giving someone, maybe it's someone who grew up with their parents, not letting them have this identity for themselves, or they didn't feel like they could be confident being listened to and heard. Maybe they only thought saying the right thing, get them listened to or doing the right thing, got them paid attention to or whatever. And you're for the first time ever, allowing some people to slow down and appreciate what they pay attention to and saying, it's not right, it's not wrong, but it is okay. And when we yes. experience that, they're experiencing several different things at once. They're experiencing their first form of social acceptance, which is hugely important for a human being. That's why we all tribalize because we're trying to be social. And then the second thing is, is finding value or at least approval makes it seem like we're also valuable not just acceptable and so if someone can show up in a way that they didn't plan but can still be received well there's a, a connectability or a value that doesn't seem as tangible doesn't seem as intangible it's not something you have to think for it's something you already have and that's a cultural dilemma for most of us it's men especially like i'll, I'll work with men for the first time and you'll be surprised at how many of them start crying or come to the Closeness of it. It's not like I'm like, feel your feelings, but (laughs) they're feeling their feelings, you know? And it's because they're paying attention to how slowly they're breathing when they're creating tension. And usually a man will probably respond with tension if they're trying to reduce the amount of emotions they're feeling, because it stabilizes them in a way that their emotions may not have been educated. And if those emotions present in the belly or if they present in the neck or whatever they're presenting in, part of the midline they're going to start to reinforce behaviors or take away behaviors and then i'm sure you've noticed this because i've seen the loyalty improvement or like the amount of people who have looked at you in the last few months and seen like they, there's more of a following less of like a, a team or tribal it's like they're they've learned how to do it and now they're hanging out around the energy not just being told how to do it still And you can see that people are like getting more excited. They're getting more enthusiastic about their own growth. Maybe there's um, more confidence in them doing it in a new fashion. So there's, they're not as shy about doing it, but you can see how many things are being rewarded. And if a, if your kid feels like that, that kid becomes much healthier. And so for the first time, you're doing that with a bunch of adults. And so you're experiencing health in these adults in a way they've never experienced before. And it may be why it's so difficult for us to put to words what we're feeling because it's not what people are asking for. People are not asking what you're feeling. They're asking uh, what you're able to provide in that moment. So like, hey, how you doing? They're not asking how you're doing. They're asking how comfortable are you going to be to interact with right now? <laughs> yes. And the better you make that turn into, hey, how comfortable are you? And just expect nothing just allow for people to share their space you're creating healthy humans and that we all know that the the domino effect if you have some good positivity or if you have some good like something to hold on to the health can improve with the creature you're doing it in such a cognizant way and such a a subconscious way too that regardless of whether they notice it or not you're reinforcing health in the creature so this is therapy for sure but you're also like becoming a, a point for people to start to realize, hey, maybe I've been short selling myself and the excellent that I had before was just a comparative between what I was willing to do and what I can do. And because what I was willing to do was high performing enough relative to things I see around me, I was going to accept it. But you're like, no, I see better in you or I, I, you can be better than you are right now. And we're going to get you there. And you're essentially walking adults through that. And that's awesome, awesome, awesome. But it's so different from what we did before, from what we see other people doing. And I think that's something that we really need to reinforce, letting people understand that, yeah, we may be trying to make things right in someone, but we're really trying to reduce the amount of perception of wrong around things that are not. Because majority of us correct our behavior before we've even gotten a reception, before we've even gotten interaction. And so we fail before we try.
1: Yes, yes, actually. It's interesting you touch on that because um, part of me training people now, uh, even with my trainer that I have here, his name is Chris uh, Lightwalker Infinity. um, I would tell him, hey, like most of the things that you see me doing, they're not really the the new science or or they're going to revolutionize the fitness industry. It's more the way we're treating people here. People want to be treated in a way that they feel that they are, that you are going to help them change and you can help them improve. But we have to be aware that we're not always going to be there. And we have to give them their own power to be able to do all these things. We have to let them realize that they can heal, that they can feel better, that if they have bad relationships with their parents, uh, we're not going to be here to address that. In the moment, but we're gonna allow you to understand that you are dealing with that, and that it's okay. But you also need to figure out how to how to how to deal with yourself and the way you perceive these stressors. Uh, for example, I will have I have a I have a client, a female tennis player, and many things going on in parental relationships That if, when she will come to a session, I will feel her mood. I will try to understand where she's at, how much she's able to respond to my questions and if she's actually interested in the training or if she was pushing to it. So yeah. I'm always looking for the psychological aspect of people coming into the gym because we have to be aware that the first time they're in the gym or in our space, it's not their space, so they don't feel safe. They feel it's new, and they're going to feel a little bit scared, and they're going to feel a little doubtful. And all of that is understandable, and I want them to feel that because then it's my job to show them who I am and that, I'm, and that I'm here to help them do whatever they're trying to do in, in, a way, in a way that I know, even though they may not be perfect, but I'm gonna try to let them realize that they can move in a way that is, that they don't feel too much pain, that they can solve their own problems and that all this dependency that we've been having on you know, many other professionals, at some point, they won't need it because they have their own tools yeah. To deal with their own problems yeah built-in tools yeah yeah i really do, like
2: that do you notice that maybe uh there is a culture of uh, reactivity or um it maybe it's fear maybe it's like um, stubbornness it could be a lot of things but um that people kind of wear their tensions in an emotional setting or like a restrictive setting. And you can see that if you don't have the allowance or the letting go that you're talking about, or you don't have the ability to respond naturally, that you kind of start to reduce the amount of expression you have, or it starts to dull the fullness of you.
1: Yes, completely. And you can express yourself, you won't be able to be truthful to the people around you and you're going to be putting on this facade that everything's good, but your body is showing its true self. It's showing that it's tense. Uh, you cannot move well because you're holding on to these ideas or patterns or, or things that people told you, and you're wearing it on your traps. You're wearing it on your biceps. You're wearing it on your elbows. You're wearing it everywhere. But uh, sometimes um, it's tough to get people to realize that, so my approach sometimes happens to be allowing them to realize that they're in a safe space, in which is for them to be able to rediscover who they are.
2: Why is it tough to teach a it? Like, I, what, my point in asking a lot of these questions or reiterating a lot of these explanations is because um, I think that it's been a little redundant having to explain to people, and I'm sure you've had this experience transitioning into something that's a little more sensory, that most people don't understand. Understand what they're doing until they feel it for themselves until they have some sense memory of what what it is and like uh it's really what we try to emphasize with almost everything like if someone's gonna so this is a thing that i experienced twice today with conversation with you and one of my earlier clients both fp dudes uh, previously but uh one of them what the dude said uh don't yeah just so long as you don't raise your voice or yell at me uh the way that they used to or something like that like corrective behavior being told that he's doing it wrong in an aggressive fashion or whatever uh his sense memory around doing stuff was always punitive his the memory he had the sensation he had was like i'm not only doing this wrong i'm about to get into trouble for having done it wrong and that's something like he's like prepping for right and he's like dude i i can almost cry from uh this experience uh he's like seriously he was like talking like his his eyes are watering or something like that. um he's doing his best to not like react to it and i was like it's dude whatever you're experiencing is totally welcome i'm not here to judge you i'm not here to fight with what you're experiencing um and i think it largely because a lot of men don't have male role models to show them how to be vulnerable or how to be like soft while also being hard so to speak um Yeah, there's a totally different thing, like seeing men be strong while being emotional is something that allows someone to be like, I can do both. But most people figure they can only do one or if they're going to do the other, it has to be in a setting that they're comfortable. And at the end of the day, it's you're going to be comfortable once you allow yourself to be, which is what we're talking about, which is the more we can remove our perception of threat, whether it be judgment, whether it be the threat of motion, whether it be threat of uh, perception, like you're moving too fast for your eyes to be able to take in the senses. At the end of the day, if you trust more or you take some of the energy from thinking about that difficulty and you just let it be an empty perception, you can spend energy to balance. Whereas instead of trying to spend energy to not follow.
1: Yes. Yeah. So
2: I feel like that
1: it can be a little bit challenging because, um I have this idea. Well, I have this idea myself that there's always this leader who is going to show you the way, right? So let's say that you're part of the system or a a, a group of people who like to think in the same way and there's there's someone who shares his thoughts and you have two options when you're a part of the group. You can either agree with it or disagree. If you agree with it, People in that group are going to feel like you're cameras and they're going to talk to you and you will say the same things and everyone will will just spit the same words and and talk about the same topics and, and fight the same people. Or you can question it and you start to realize that the leaders that you're finding or that you're looking for, it cannot be someone who doesn't match the energy you're trying to see. So for me, uh, I realized that, that I didn't want a leader who didn't fit my own way of thinking or how I like approaching people or how I feel about people. I'm a very, I'm a very social individual to others. I, I enjoy listening to where you're at. I enjoy listening to what you believe. If if I believe in it or not, I don't really have any reason why to be part of Team A or Team B. I just say, hey, that's cool. And if, if you like studying about ghosts, I, I also like ghosts. We can talk about it all the time. You know, we, we, can, we can meditate and see. We can talk to our ancestors, like whatever is going on. So the more I disengage into some groups and in, in different societies, and the more I start to just build my own sense about who is the leader for me and how can I be the leader for myself, it allowed me to disconnect from a lot of the stressors that was carrying my body
0: crazy um and you obviously had to undergo the process of kind of transitioning yourself away from team a to being kind of on your own team and you know starting your own like brand and connective and whatnot but like you probably you didn't necessarily have like the uh, stream of clients and whatnot coming in for the specific like, type of training or system right they are just coming to you as a person and did you did you notice like a change in the kinds of people who were coming to you from that?
1: Well, it was huge. It was huge because um, when, i us say before I used to do, I used to be very deep into the functional patterns methodology. So a lot of people who would look for my training, it would mainly be for functional patterns. But eventually, as I started adding many other things and my training was not just FP, I didn't have people looking for me for FP. So I had a very dry time, which was very humbling and challenging for myself because I didn't have the stream of people who were interested in the training that I used to provide. But in the back of my head and from talking to many people, they were always supporting me and telling me, hey, people who want the training from you because of who you are and what what you're going to give them, those are going to be the right people. So I always kept that in the back of my head. And it took me a while. It took me a while. I started to realize that I wasn't putting enough work in social media environment and being out there, putting material for people to get to know me. And uh, that challenged me a lot, but it made me realize that now I'm able to get people who want to hear from me, who want to know about me, who want to know about the things I have to share with them. And who, to one extent, are open to believing in the stuff I believe in now. So I feel it was super rewarding at this moment. I had very tough times, of course. But right now, I'm very happy and very pleased. People are, are content with my training. Um, I've been expanding myself to many different levels in what I'm doing as well. Because many people are supporting what I'm doing. And I'm able to give them my best. Uh, and one of the best phrases that I can I can take is from from a book. I can remember the name that I read was that um, one of the best ways for you to um, receive more from people you have to give them two times the amount. And if you and that really allowed me to realize that what I was doing, I was not giving them my extra best. So. Now I'm able to get people who want my training, who want to know about what I have to give them and I give them like three times what I got. And most of
0: them, they become very happy with it. So I'm very glad. That's good to hear, man. Um, In terms of like running a small local boutique gym like yourself, Are there any like practical um, things that you would recommend to maybe somebody in a similar case where they're kind of like trying to build up their client load or they, again, they're trying to promote their gym. Have you found anything in particular to like be a big draw for people?
1: Yes. Uh, So one of the first things is always start being very humble and give free sessions. Like just put yourself out there, let people know what you're doing. Even though those people are not paying it, he's going to tell someone at some point if what you're doing is good enough, And eventually, once people start liking what you're doing, charge them even even if it's a little bit, and even if it doesn't put uh, your rent for the year or for the month, um, having a little bit sense of them paying money allows them to realize that they're that the training. It also it's, it's a give and take, just so eventually they don't feel like it's all for free. Uh, the second thing, when you find the space, uh, don't worry about location yet. First worry about getting your place. First worry about getting your place started. Uh, whatever that means. If, it, if you're only gonna have uh, a two by two or if you have a four by four if you get your own gym, just get the thing started, get people into your doors. And the third thing is that if you were putting in a hundred percent before, with your own gym, you need to do 500%. That means a lot of sleepless is nice, a lot of planning, talking to many consultants, doing your, making sure your economy is right. And whenever things get tough, you need to push those buttons and get out there and talk to people and, and socialize. So some of the things that I'm doing currently, besides social media and being active on it and talking and putting material, is I'm going to different health markets to promote my business, uh, I offer my services in many different fair health uh, health fairs that they do around here and in the place. So sometimes I'm not even working personal training, but I'm I'm showing what I'm doing into other health places. And yeah, those would be some of the main
0: things I would say
1: for now. Yeah.
0: All right, uh, Nathan, you got anything else that you want to, to hit on? Should to be told, I'm a little burnt out. A little burnt out over here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're all a little burnt out. We're a little burnt out. But if anything, I just want to say a few things. Um, uh, I just want everyone to know that part of the training that I'm providing is to allow you to figure out who you are as a true self and to enjoy the person you are because – we can get a lot into our heads and have many of these concepts that could inhibit us from moving. If, if you failed a lot of times and you're scared to come back to get yourself back up, well, truth be told, you're going to have to get yourself back up and at some point, you will start making less mistakes. So don't be afraid of making mistakes. I've done a lot of those. Now I just do a little bit less than before. Um, and so anyone that is watching this podcast, Please don't be shy of reaching out to Nate, to Benjamin. They're, they're, they're pretty good on what they're doing. And it's, it's all about expanding your knowledge so then you can uh, perform in a more efficient and better
0: way than before. Well said. Where can uh, people find you? Is it Instagram is it Johnny Veda Training, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. So they can find me in
0: Johnny uh, or at,
1: at fl. that is my business page. And I'm located in Delray Beach, if anyone's interested for in-person training. And I also do all-night training. And uh, yeah, I just want to have a lot of fun and provide you guys many different inputs so you can get many different outputs. Are you still running a Patreon too? Yes, I'm also running a Patreon. Uh, you can find the link in my Instagram I'm trying to stay active in that bad uh, boy too. I'm putting material there, and it have two tiers. Tier one is more gonna be about rehab and
0: foundational.
1: Tier two is rehab, foundational, and dynamic. Resistance.
0: Super cool, man. Well, yeah, highly recommend working with Johnny. I had a great time and learned a bunch of like super valuable concepts, even way back then. And they've just evolved and adapted. And I was always to take what you uh, what you showed me and kind of just spin it and explore it. Um, even, even again, back then, even the training style, I'm sure is different than what you did now, but I still felt very like, I don't know, at, at peace, like you're a very friendly guy. It's fun to be around you. Um, and yeah, I would highly recommend getting a session in with Johnny and let him, uh, let him kick your ass a little. <laughs> thank you guys.
1: Thank y'all. You, you make me blush. It make me blush. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I know a little bit here and there.
2: Hell underneath that magnificent beard of yours. Uh, <laughs> I did
1: it just for you guys and I want hey. to stay in my hand.
2: Baby soft today. Fresh. Right. <laughs> <laughs>